0: In this room this morning, I know, as a pastor, I know that there are all kinds of needs. Oh, there's some small needs, but there's also some great need in this room this morning. Every one of us has some kind of need in our life. We're a needy people. We need the Lord in our life each and every day. But all of us struggle in some way. All of us have some kind of a battle that's going on. And I just want to encourage you this morning, just want to remind you, He loves you. He really does. You know, sometimes we wonder, if the Lord loves me, why am I going through this? Or why did this happen? But He does. He really does love you. He cares for you. And He knows exactly what you're going through. And He wants to help you. I want to remind you also that there are needs all around us, not just in church this morning, but every day, wherever we are, there are needs all around us. There are people that are going through all kinds of things, and we need to be aware of that. It might change how we treat people if we realize that every person we come in contact with has some kind of a need. I mean, would you treat that person differently if you knew that they lost a loved one this week? Now, here's the thing, we don't know most of the time what others are going through. Even if you know that person personally, you don't know what all is going on inside their soul and what their battles are. You don't know what, what dark thing might, they might be dealing with inside. So here's what I got to say about that just be nice to everybody, right? You don't know what they're going through, so just be nice to everybody. You know, sometimes when somebody's real ugly, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, what is the matter with you? My sweet wife, you know, she always sets me straight. She'll, she'll say, well, you know, they're probably going through something. And you know what? She's probably right. They're probably going through something, so... Let's just be nice to everybody, but here's the one who does know, our Heavenly Father. He knows exactly what we're going through, and He knows what we need. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 8, Your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him. Before we even ask, He knows. And yet in Matthew 7, He tells us to ask, and you'll receive. See, some people make the mistake of thinking, well, God knows, why do I need to ask Him? And some people think, well, God's just going to do what He's going to do anyway. No, He waits for people to ask in faith. And so it's so important that we avail ourselves of the privilege of prayer and we ask God. Yes, He knows our need. Yes, He knows what we're going through. Some here today need strength, Some need healing, some are looking for wisdom or guidance, some need the peace of God, some are looking for a breakthrough in their battle, but he knows, he knows our need, and he knows us, he knows us better than we know ourselves. In Psalm 139, 1 through 4, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking right now. What is wrong with this preacher? You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. He knows what you're going to say before you even say it. He knew it. He knows everything about you. He knows how you feel. He knows the burden that you have this morning. He knows He sees our struggle, our battle, our problems, our situation. He sees the hurts, the disappointments. But not only does He know, I want you to know this morning that He feels our pain, He feels our struggle. He knows about it, but He doesn't know it from afar. No, He knows exactly how we feel and what's going on with us. You need to remember that Jesus, walked this earth as a man, that the Word became flesh and lived among us. That Word that was with God, that Word that was God, in the very beginning, John 1 and 1. You need to know this, that the Word who was God, the Word who was with God, He came to earth, God in the flesh. He lived as a man, fully man, but also fully God. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 4 and read verses 14 through 16. But Hebrews 2, 17 tells us that he was made like us in all things. He was born of the Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. He was led of the Spirit, but he lived on this earth as a man, a man in whom all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. But think about this. Jesus was born like we are. He grew up like we grew up. He worked. He ate. He slept. He got tired. You see, we need to realize that he went through all of the things that we go through. He is our merciful and faithful high priest. Hebrews four fourteen says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. In our time of need. In verse 14, he says, Hold firmly to the faith that we profess. What is this faith that we profess? That we are saved, that we are forgiven, that we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus. That's the faith that we profess. And we need to hold firmly to that faith. Don't let the world talk you out of it, don't let religious culture talk you out of it. Hold firmly to the faith you profess, that you are saved by grace through faith. It is nothing that we ourselves have done, but only what our Lord and Savior has done, and we hold firmly to that. Right. Hold on to your faith. See, don't allow yourself to, to back down in your faith or to get weak in your faith, but you hold on to that faith you profess. Right. You know, before the cross, before Jesus was taken away, Jesus warned Peter and he, he told him, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to destroy you. But I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. Now, later we know that Simon Peter denied the Lord with cursing. He denied the Lord and he went out and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine how horrible it was for him to feel such guilt and such shame? I'm sure that he just wanted to give up. But Jesus had prayed for him that his faith would not fail. And did you know that Romans 8, 34 says that Jesus is praying for you? that He is interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for you too, that your faith won't fail. So you hold on firmly to your faith. You don't let go of the promises of God, the Word of God. You keep standing in faith, trusting the Lord and believing God. He will keep His Word to you. He will fulfill all that He has promised you. Jesus... Our high priest, he's the one that's interceding for us. The one who went through all the things that we go through. Verse 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yes, he went through, in some way, he went through everything that we go through. You might not understand that. You might not be able to see that, but I can tell you this, there's a whole lot about Jesus and the life that he lived growing up that we don't don't have a recording of every detail that happened in his life, but here's what I do know. He was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet he was without sin. Without sin. No, he was that spotless, sinless Lamb of God that takes away The sin of the world, but he understands. He knows what you are going through. And he even knows how you feel. Might be hard for us to imagine, but he understands what it's like to have less than a desirable background. (laughs) Some of you, You know, we use that phrase, we say to people when they leave the door open, we say, were you born in a barn? Well, Jesus was born in a barn. I don't know how poor you are, but that's poor. Sometimes there's a stigma on people depending on where they're from. They said about Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I'm just telling you. Wherever you're from, whatever your background, Jesus understands. He knows how you feel. Jesus must have had questions arise. You know that he did, even if they were those questions were in whispers. You know, he was born of a virgin. There had to have been some questions about whether or not he was illegitimate. Jesus knew what it was to be part of a blended family. He had brothers and sisters, but they all had a different dad than he did. He knew what it was like for his parents not to understand him, young people. When he was 12 and his family visited Jerusalem, they accidentally left Jesus behind. And when they found him, his mother said this, it's Luke two forty-eight. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. I'm just telling you, he knew what it was like when your parents don't understand. In fact, he knew what it was like when your family thinks you're a little crazy. You think you got some family problems? There came a time in Jesus' ministry where his mother and his brothers thought that he had lost his mind. That's right. He knew what it was was like to have some family problems. He knew what it was like... To, uh, to work hard. Some of you have never thought about this before, but you need to. Jesus was a carpenter for a whole lot longer than he was a preacher. That's right. That's right. And I know some people think that preachers don't work for, for a living. I had a board member at a church many years ago tell me that, that my paycheck was pretty good pay for 45 minutes of work. But I want to tell you something that Jesus... Worked as a carpenter. He knew what it was like to work hard and to sweat and to get calluses on his hands. He knew what it was like. I'm sure that in his business dealings, it's just like it is with us. There were liars and cheats. There were people that tried to take advantage. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly what you go through. He worked with the dad who raised him, Joseph. My son, Jonathan, i just got to tell you, Jesus knows what it's like to work with your dad. It can be tough, they say. He also knew what it was like to deal with religious hypocrites. Wow, did he ever. See, some of us, we, we get to the place, we say, oh, well, I just I ain't going to go to church and be with those hypocrites. You know what? Jesus went anyway. That's right. It was his custom. Every day he was in the synagogue. That's right. In fact, he told, he told them when they came to arrest him, he says, why are you coming out here with swords and clubs? Every day I was in the temple courts teaching. He didn't quit going just because they were hypocrites. No, Jesus kept going. He." He knows knows how you feel about it, but Jesus kept going. Didn't matter if there were hypocrites there. He ate with the worst of society. Tax collectors and sinners, and they accused him of being just like like him. They called him a wine-bibber and a glutton. Healed a paralyzed, paralyzed man, and they called him a blasphemer. He cast out demons, and they said it but was by the power of Satan. On and on and on. Sometimes we think we're under so much pressure, you know, in our world today, there's a, a lot of talk about that, and I don't know why that is, but it seems like people feel the stress and the pressure more than ever. Jesus had the crowds everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd pressing in on him with their needs. And there were times that he would leave the crowds and go out to a solitary place to pray. But understand this, Jesus knows what it feels like to have the weight of the world. You think you got the weight of the world on your shoulders? How much more did Jesus know what that felt like? You ever just worked so hard and you just did all you know to do and maybe in the workplace maybe at home maybe both and you're just totally exhausted you're so tired you could sleep in the middle of a busy restaurant jesus has been tireder than that he slept in a boat When there was a great storm, the disciples, the storm was so bad, the water is coming over into the boat, and the disciples are saying, Lord, don't you care if we die? And he's asleep. Now, some people say, oh, well, that's just because he had such peace. Well, maybe he had peace. I'm sure he did. The storm didn't worry Jesus. But I tell you, he was tired if he was sleeping through that storm. He knows what it is to be exhausted He knows how you feel. He knows your battles. He knows your struggles. He knew what it was to lose a loved one. We don't know how he died or when exactly, but we know that Joseph, the dad who raised him, had passed away at some point, and Jesus, the oldest brother, was left to take care of his mom and his siblings. I'm just telling you, he knows what you go through one way or another. He knows everything that you deal with, everything that you face. He knows what it is to be mistreated, to be falsely accused. He knows what it is to feel all alone. You know, before they came to take him away... He had Peter, James, and John with him. And they said, y'all pray, y'all pray. And they just kept falling asleep. (laughs) They let him down. They let him down when the soldiers took him away, and they all ran away. Except Peter, who watched from a distance and denied him three times. He knows what it is to be betrayed by a friend. You know, an enemy can't betray you. No, that can only be done by somebody close to you. And oh how it hurts when somebody that you love, somebody that you trust, stabs you in the back. Jesus knows exactly how that feels. In fact, when his friend Judas came to betray him, he betrayed him with a kiss. Jesus knows exactly what it is to be betrayed by a friend. I'm telling you, Jesus goes through or went through all of the things that we go through. He understands how we feel. He understands emotional pain. He understands physical pain. He went through all of those things. In Isaiah 53 and 3, it says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That's right. He knows what it is to have sorrow and grief. John says he came unto his own and his own received him not. See, he knows what it's like to be hurt by church people, religious people. He felt what we feel and he paid a price so that he could carry that for us. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was sinless. He was sinless. How could he ever understand the guilt, the shame that we feel? Because He took it all upon Himself. He took all of our sins and all of the guilt for those sins on Himself. He knows exactly how you feel. Amen. He bore it all. The weight of the sins of the world. I'm sure that there were times when Jesus was tempted to retaliate when He was beaten. He must have been tempted not to forgive. He knows what it's like when somebody has wronged you unjustly and you don't want to forgive them. But yet he was without sin and he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I tell you, he knows what it is to be heartbroken. He was heartbroken as he wept over Jerusalem. He knows what it is to be all alone, The struggle on his own and when you feel like you're alone you need to realize he knows how you feel but he's right there with you Amen. you're never alone when you have the Lord in your life but he went through everything we go through yet without sin Hebrews 4:16 tells us let us then see here, here's here's what he's telling us why is he telling us this Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We come to the throne of grace with confidence. Confidence, not self-confidence. No, confidence because of the blood of Jesus. You know, several translations use the word bold here to come with boldness. And people sometimes get the idea that we're going to come in before God like we're something and tell God what to do. I want to tell you, those people are foolish. That's right. No, we come before God with humility. You see, we're coming to the throne of grace. He gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So you come, you try to come before God with any pride whatsoever, you're going to get resisted. That means you're not getting anywhere. No, we come with confidence, but we come humbly because our confidence is in the blood of Jesus. It is what he has done and nothing that we ourselves... It is the throne of grace... Thank God we are not coming to the throne of judgment here or the throne of works here. You see, some people get the idea that if they're they're good, you know, if I prayed a lot this week and I read my Bible and, you know, I didn't cuss at anybody, didn't commit any big sins, and so God's going to listen to me. And some other people have the idea, you know, I didn't pray every day and I, I, I got mad at somebody on the freeway, and you know, and I didn't, I, I said something to my wife I shouldn't have said, and so I guess God's not going to listen to me. I want to tell you both are wrong. Right. Some of you thinking way too hard about that. You need to know both are wrong. God is not going to hear you because you're good, and He's not going to not hear you because you messed up. We're coming to a throne of grace. Now listen, I'm not telling anybody it doesn't matter how you live. I'm not telling anybody that it doesn't matter if you pray or not. You ought to pray every day. And you ought to live for God because he bought and paid for you. You belong to him. And you're supposed to love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. So I'm not talking about cheap grace, but I'm telling you when we come to the throne of grace, we are not coming on the basis of what we deserve or what we have earned. It is grace. That is unearned, undeserved favor and blessing from God. And that's what we want. Come on now. We're coming to the throne of grace. Jesus. Our confidence is, is in Him. Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. That's how we can come before this holy God. We come with confidence in His grace. We're coming expecting mercy, confident that He will help us in our time of need because He's that good. You know, I, I know that sometimes our guilt tries to get in the way when we mess up it's hard for us to believe that God would bless us but you need to hold fast to the profession of your faith that you have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus so we come with confidence to the throne of grace and we receive mercy to help in our time of need. Mercy, mercy, and we find grace to help in our time of need. That mercy is compassion with an action. You see, he knows, he's felt what you feel. He has compassion for you, but it's not just compassion. It is compassion with action just as those who wanted healing called out to Him, Jesus, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. They were asking for God to do something for them. They were asking for that compassion with action. And we need to understand that's what it's talking about here, that He will show us not just compassion, but compassion with action, that He will move on our behalf. He knows our need, but he waits for us to pray. And when we pray, there is mercy and grace to help in our time of need. Whatever that need is, I'm telling you, you see, we all have those needs. The truth is, is that we all need him every day. Oh, I like the old song that says, I need thee every hour. We, we need him all the time, and yet he waits for us to pray. But what a privilege of prayer we have to be able to come to the throne of grace. I want you to think about this. It says the throne here, the throne of grace. What's a a throne? That's where the king sits. We're coming to the king of the universe, to the sovereign Lord of all creation, the one who has all power and all authority. He can do absolutely anything. There is nothing too hard for the Lord, and we're coming to this throne that he is seated upon, the throne of grace. You know, I I think about how people fawn over celebrity and over people of power and wealth and influence. And so often, you know, if people could talk to this person or, you know, if I could have a few minutes with this expert in this field, they, they wait in line, they, doesn't matter how long it takes, whatever, doesn't matter what kind of money it takes. I want to tell you the God of the universe is waiting on you. You don't have to stand in line. That that throne room where the throne of grace is, it's available to you every day. And every day we ought to come to the throne of grace. You know, another thing that you do at a throne, this is the proper way. I'm just saying, I know this is old school. I know this might seem religious to some people. But sometimes you just need to get down on your knees at the throne and acknowledge who it is that you're talking to and who you're praying to and humble yourself before God. And as you present your need to Him, I'm telling you, our Heavenly Father, He is moved with compassion. There is mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Whatever we're going through. Whatever the need. You might have a material need, a physical need, a spiritual need this morning. Maybe you're just going through some battle. Maybe there's some, some struggle on the inside in your soul, troubled in your soul. I tell you, I've been in some battles sometimes. I, didn't even, I couldn't even really understand what was going on on the inside of me. But I know that he does. I know that my God knows and I know that when I pray that He comes and He helps me in my time of need. But whatever that burden is, whatever load you're carrying this morning, if there's a loved one that you're praying for, I want you to know that you can come to the throne of grace and obtain, receive mercy and grace in your time of need. We're going to pray this morning. I want you to stand with me. And as we pray, I want our prayer partners to come.